Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Crypto Business Podcast, helping you navigate the frontier of crypto. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Crypto Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web 3.0. Today, I'm going to be joined by Snacks. Yes, that is his pseudonym snacks as in things you eat and we're going to explore how to set up a DAO. He is the founder of Pizza DAO and we're going to talk about how local businesses can benefit from DAOs and how businesses in general can benefit from DAOs. I think you're going to find this absolutely fascinating. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. If you want to communicate with me, those are the best channels to reach out to me on. And if you're new to this podcast, would you be sure to follow this show? We've got some great content coming your way, and you don't want to miss it. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Snacks. Helping you to simplify your crypto journey. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Snacks. If you don't know who Snacks is, he is the founder of Pizza Dow a decentralized autonomous organization that's designed to help pizzerias achieve economies of scale. And there's more than 500 local pizzerias across 100 different countries that are part of the Pizza Dow. Snacks, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Michael. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm super excited because today, Snacks and I are going to explore how local businesses can benefit from a DAO. And we're going to unravel some of the story. As a matter of fact, I want to start with a bit of your story right now. Let's back up a little bit. How did you personally get into crypto and DAOs? Start wherever you want to start. We'd love to hear your story. So I was pretty early to crypto. I was in college and then I, I dropped out and I was spending a lot of time just reading Twitter and learning about programming and various other things. And I came across this hacker group and they had started taking donations in Bitcoin. What year was this? This was 2011. Okay. And, and so I said, a currency backed by math seems like something that makes sense. And so I, I bought a little bit at about $20 a coin. And, and then every six months or so, or you know, sometimes a year, I would have a eureka moment. Like, oh, oh man, this is really something. I got to pay more attention to what is getting built here. So I actually, I started accepting Bitcoin with the t-shirt company in 2013. I launched it for Bitcoin Black Friday. And it, it was just for fun, not really about making a lot of money. Okay, you have to, how many Bitcoins was a t-shirt? So it was $20 a shirt. And in Bitcoin, that was a lot more than it is now. I think the current value that I sold shirts for then is well over 600, maybe even $1,000 a shirt. Though I have not sold so many shirts, I think the business has actually been profitable because I didn't sell 
the Bitcoin that I took in from those shirts. So you were selling Bitcoin back in what year was it? 2013 or something like that? I mean, you were selling shirts for Bitcoin. So what was it like a quarter of a Bitcoin for a shirt or something like that? Or like a tenth of a Bitcoin or something like that? I think Bitcoin might have been around $300. So Wow. So cool. So keep going with the story. This is fascinating. Yes. So I was selling my shirts, having a good time, meeting a lot of people in the ecosystem and also organizing. And this is funny how it comes full circle. I was organizing these meetups in Philadelphia at 30th Street Station, which is our big train station. And there was a pizza hut in there that had a bunch of tables that no one would ever sit at. And so we would just go in there, take a lot of chairs, push them together and talk about Bitcoin and even DAOs all the way back then. We were talking about DAOs and we, we thought about them a little differently. We, we thought like a DAO would be that your local taxi would own itself or, you know, and we didn't think that much about how, in fact, when DAOs actually function, humans are the hands and feet of the DAO. And I actually think of Bitcoin and Ethereum also in a similar light. But we were thinking about this stuff really early on. And then I had the really tremendous luck. And, you know, well, it was my friend who was one of my partner organizers there. And he took me to this historic NFT event. And so this was, we're skipping forward a bit to January 2018. And so I, I went to New York. It was January 18th. NFT NYC? No, this was in 2018. So NFT NYC was but a twinkle in the organizer's eye. And it was this auction. It was called the, it had a Pepe and it had a Crypto Kitty and it had uh, the folks from Dada and people from Decentraland. And I saw the CryptoPunks founders speak at this conference. It was this little event and a Crypto Kitty sold for, I think, five or six figures. So did a Pepe and CryptoPunks were 0.1 Ethereum at the time, about a hundred bucks, a little bit more. and. And I was just immediately bought in because I saw all the smartest people in the space speak at this one event. So I went home and I bought, I don't know, 10 or 12 CryptoPunks for about $100 each. And I felt kind of silly at the time. And then immediately after, I started developing my own NFT, which I have not released yet. Actually, we've been, we, we want it to be really good. And, and so I kind of dove deep into the NFT space. And by the way, for those that don't can't see the video, there is a CryptoPunk on the wall behind you that looks like you've modified with a pizza and a baseball cap. I would imagine that's one of your originals, right? So that's me. That's actually of the 10,000 CryptoPunks. That is the single one that looks the most like me. Um, I actually, here, I wear these. <laughs> you can really see. Yeah, for those that are watching on audio, uh, he's got the glasses that look very similar to the CryptoPunk. Cool. Yeah, you'll have to hit the YouTube to, to see this exclusive content but yes this is of the of all i was early enough to CryptoPunks that i could actually pick the crypto punk that looked like me whereas now i think people get the punk they can get and then they change their own appearance to look like their punk so you were in new york city and like bring us up to like the founding of the pizza doll like keep going with this story like how in the world did all these dots connect so i was deep into nfts just thinking about how to design and it was a tulip project so so we were we were making tulips because we, we thought crypto kitties were cool we thought the breeding was fun but we didn't love the aesthetic of the cats like they were okay they're cute but but we wanted to make something a little more arty and and a little more of a joke because it's tulips you know of course we've been talking about tulips since the beginning of bitcoin people have been calling it a digital tulip so so i worked on that for a long time and then i went uh well then we all went into quarantine right uh which was a was really tough 
for me and I think for everyone and especially for small businesses. And we'll come back to that later. But Clubhouse came out and one of my friends got me on there and I had this deep well of Web3 information in my head, like, you know, people I knew and just I knew all this at, at that time. I mean, and now the ecosystem is so large, I don't know everything. But at that time, I knew pretty much everything you, there was to know about what you could do and what was out there. And so I just started in November of 2020. And I just started teaching people and, and building community. I made this room called NFTs are to objects as DAOs are to corporations. And that clubhouse room ran for like two days. <laughs> and I wasn't there the whole time, but I kept coming back like, oh, wow, they're still talking about that. This is something. <laughs> and so skip forward a few months and there was this big NFT community on clubhouse. and. I had started talking about pizza now and my talking points were a lot less honed back then. I would just kind of say, and this is actually pre pizza now. So this was in uh, like December, January. And I was talking about how small businesses should be community owned and that the way to get there would be to build blockchain based accounting systems so they could be compliant and tokenized. And that's how they would get to being community owned and people would kind of glaze over. You know, they were not so, they were like, okay, man, I guess. And uh, and so I realized that I needed like a test case to prove this. And pizzerias are one of the most prevalent businesses on earth, right? There are so many pizzerias and pizza has always been on the forefront of technology. You know, one of the first uh, things to be ordered on the internet, the first Famously, the first Bitcoin transaction, 10,000 Bitcoin for two pizzas on May 22nd in 2010. So pizza kind of made sense. And I was also at the time, I was thinking a lot about how uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum acted on humans. Because I, I read this book by Michael Pollan, who, who wrote The Omnivore's Dilemma, which kind of changed our food culture in the United States, made a lot more people talk about corn and corn syrup and all these things. He has this other book called The Botany of Desire. And, and this book looks at the human plant dynamic from the plant perspective. So it, it picks four plants. It's the potato, the tulip, marijuana, and the apple. And it basically says, like, how has the apple manipulated humans? Like, why did the people going west in early America plant so many apple trees Oh, because they had no potable water, and so they were drinking cider. And so I started thinking about Bitcoin acting on humans and Ethereum acting on humans, and then I started to think about pizza acting on humans. And so how could you build an organization that would give pizza its own kind of agency? Uh, and, and so, so that's this kind of stew of ideas about community ownership of small business and about how DAOs relate to things to objects, to ideas, to people, it came to the pizza DAO. And so I started talking about the pizza DAO a lot. And then the hash masks came out, which were an early NFT. People might remember them. And they had they were on a bonding curve that uh, started low and ended very pretty high. And they they sold out their whole collection. And they it was kind of rumored. No one really knew exactly what their artistic composition was, like who had done it. But it seemed like it was a bunch of different artists that collaborated. And so I was just hanging out on Clubhouse. And someone came in and, and they said, what if we make pizza hash masks? And I said, huh, well, that fits into the pizza doubt pretty well. And this is because I've been talking about pizza doubt for a while. And I and I was running this the room about nothing, it was called. And this was at a time when Clubhouse had gotten a little 
little busy, a little blown out. It was the, the conversations were starting to get a little less interesting. And this was my refuge where we would, you know, the room about nothing. Obviously, you couldn't shill anything there because we would just, you know, be goofy. And and, and the only rules were that you modded everyone. <laughs> so so off in the room. Yeah, those rooms actually, are out of control. For those, for those that don't know what that means, that means everyone's a moderator, which means everyone can talk at once, which usually means it's out of control. So is that where the idea formed for the ultimate DAO that you started? So I had been talking about the DAO for a while, but where it really caught fire was in the room about nothing this one morning. And it was like, oh, okay, so we're going to make this rare pizza NFT. And we're going to take the proceeds from this and we're going to throw a global pizza party on Bitcoin Pizza Day. And this was February 18th, 2021. So Bitcoin Pizza Day was three months away, May 22nd. And so I remade the room with, with a different name a couple of times. Like the first one, it was the room about pizza because it had been the room about nothing. Now it's the room about pizza. And then like a, a bunch of people joined that room. And then I made a new room. It was called uh, Web3 plus pizza equals free pizza, question mark, question mark. And, and then that room grew to like 100 or 200 people, right? And I channeled that energy and enthusiasm into a Discord server. Like a week later, we had a, over a thousand people in this Discord, and we had over two hundred people signed up to do the art for the pizzas, and that means like do a different topping. Originally, we said we're going to get a hundred people, and everyone's going to do a topping, and that's going to be uh, what goes on our pizzas. And then there were too many people. So okay, we're going to do one hundred fifty. Oh, we're going to do two hundred. Oh, we're going to do three hundred fourteen. Obviously, right because of pi, and and so suddenly we, we had this community and there are a few different things that, that made it grow really quickly. I think the, the one was Clubhouse, another was Discord and another, and this is a funny one, it was Google Slides and Google Docs. The first website that I actually had live for PizzaDAO was just a redirect to a Google Slide that said, we're going to build a decentralized independent open source franchise in honor of Laszlo to support community ownership and to serve the, the the goals of pizza. Basically it said stuff like that. And so I had a URL that I could point people to. I did barely, it took me 10 minutes to set up this website, right? It had a stupid picture and just some text. It wasn't particularly well-designed. And then I made a rarepizzas.com site, similar story, just a Google drive, just a Google slide. And then our spreadsheet that had all the artists in it, it was a Google sheet. I said, go in there, put your name in. That's how you will you will pick the topping you're going to do. And then our roadmap, and then this, and then that. And suddenly we had hundreds of Google Docs. And if you actually go to subdomains.rarepizzas.com, you will see just the hilarious uh, assortment of documents and pages and, and stuff that, that we have built over time. And so I really credit Google Docs and the open nature of it where you can just set something to open edit like anyone could actually have deleted the entire website right from the start because the google slide not only was it a google slide it was open edit fascinating fascinating the good news about google docs is there is a way to recover stuff that's been deleted so bring us up to today just give us like a quick snapshot of today and then i want to get into some questions about dials because it's such a fascinating story so today as we're recording this may 10th we know you're getting ready for pizza day coming up here in a couple of weeks but like at a macro level give us like the 60 second overview of where you're at today with the dial from all that momentum that i was talking about right we started february 18th and then may 22nd three months later we gave away over three hundred thousand dollars of pizza 
all over the world in over 60 countries. So that was last year. That was May 22nd, 2021. So fast forward, we're about a year later and we're getting ready for our second annual global pizza party. And we're doing it a little differently this year because the COVID was a bit more of a problem in a lot of the countries in the world last year in May. And so we couldn't really organize a lot of events, like in-person events where people could get together and eat pizza and talk Web3. But this year we are really doing that. And we are doing that all over the world. I'm talking in South Korea, in Australia, in Africa, in Europe, in South America, in Mexico, United States, Canada. Like we have a party in one or even multiple cities in all of those places. And not just any party, like crazy parties in a lot of them, like at amazing venues. Like in Chicago, we'll be on the sky deck, the 99th floor of the Willis Tower, which is formerly people might know it as the Sears Tower. Or in New York, we're shutting down a whole block in Little Italy. So so we have just these amazing parties that we're throwing. And the message is that we aren't so different here on Earth. Right? We we all are touching similar things, right? We we all have a connection to the internet. We all have a connection to the blockchain. And we all have a connection to pizza. And these are just three simple things that we can agree on here on planet Earth. And I think there are a lot more, but we talk about the Web3 space as a process of consensus building. And I, I think that's within DAOs, that's within communities, but that's also just here on planet Earth or spaceship Earth, as Bucky Fuller says, who's a hero of mine. So that's kind of where we're coming from. And, and we were so excited. Like, I mean, it's 12 days away. I think it's going to be an absolutely massive event. Well, and we're going to unravel some of the stuff that you've done and some of these questions I'm going to be asking you. One of the questions I want to ask you is to any business that's listening right now or anybody who's aspirational, who has a big idea, why should they consider using DAOs? Because it is a real foreign concept for anybody who's got experience in entrepreneurship. The idea of a DAO, I think there are a lot of ideas about a DAO, but the fundamental kind of premise is that you can flatten ownership and you can distribute responsibility. And so there are a lot of things that, that go along with that. But I, I like to say that you have to work backwards in a DAO. You, you have to get it organized so that it can be autonomous, so that it can be fully decentralized. So there's an application of this social technology, I think, to almost any industry, but especially to those where you want to align incentives over a broad spectrum of people and enable them to come together to accomplish things that maybe they were unable to come to consensus about before. So in our case, we're applying that to pizzerias. And that's because there are independent pizzerias in every city on earth almost. And they don't have as good technology as the big pizza businesses, as the big pizza chains. Yet they do make some of the best pizza, right? Like the pizza at an at your independent shop is going to be way better than a chain. And so there's no reason they shouldn't actually have the kind of technology that the bigger entities have or the kind of knowledge base or the kind of supplier relationships or even the kind of financial powers. And this is where the blockchain comes in, we think, right, to allow community ownership of businesses. But fundamentally, right, it comes back to giving a network ownership because web two has been about networks. It's been about network building. And in a certain frame of mind, 
everything is about network building. <laughs> if you, on some level, all business is just building networks. Historically, it has been hard to distribute ownership, trustworthy, incontrovertible ownership of these networks to the participants. And this means the participants are less bought into the success of the network. It means they, they so they feel less ownership. They feel less inclined to go out of their way for the success of the network. They feel less inclined to count on the network, to build on the network. So Web3 really changes that. And that's why when we apply it to pizzerias, and they've been talking, independent pizzerias have talked about working together for a really long time. But it is not easy to do that. And now look at what we did, right? We said on February 18th, let's throw a global pizza party. We made an NFT in, and a month later, we put the, the kind of the pre-sale, the, the pizza box, which would later contain the pizzas. We put that for sale. We raised 330 Ethereum. And then Ethereum went up. So we suddenly had about a million dollars from, from this community of people that a month and a half before, two months before, had said, we want to throw a global pizza party. And because of the trust that we were able to build with our network by promising them a slice of the NFT, and we took, so there are 10,000 of our NFT, and we said, we'll take one slice, 1,250, and this will go to our team. Every artist will get one of these. Every team member who, you know, will get one of these and people who do more work will give more. And so this bond of trust backed by this token, even though we hadn't sent it out yet, right? We hadn't even delivered it to everyone, but just the trust that we would and could was enough. And so in three months, we gave away over $300,000 of pizza in, in 63 countries. Well, and we should mention where I met you was at NFT LA because you had a booth and you were giving away free pizza. So obviously you must've worked with a local pizzeria in Los Angeles to get that pizza there. And you were essentially spreading the word to anybody who wanted to come up and talk to you. And that's where I met you. And I started talking to you and it turned out we had a mutual friend in common. I want to zoom in on a couple of things you talked about, because if someone's going to start a DAO, let's talk about mission, ownership, and communication, right? Because these are all things that they need to be thinking about. Talk to me about mission first. Like, what do we need to be thinking about if we're going to start a DAO when it comes to mission and ownership? So the cool thing about Pizza DAO is that for people who know what a DAO is, when you say Pizza DAO, they can immediately have a lot of associations about what we might be doing. And that's why Pizza DAO is so cool is because we are trying to be a blueprint for anyone to put any word in front of DAO and then strive to live up to that promise. So if you made a DAO like Lake DAO, what does Lake DAO do? Well, it probably tries to help lakes. And what do lakes want? I don't know, to be clean, to be good ecosystems. Stocked with fish, maybe. Yeah, have fish in them, right? So we say, like, what does pizza want, right? In the context of pizza, well, it, it wants to be eaten. Seems like its primary goal. And so how do we as a community build towards that? So making sure that the word that you put in front of Dow aligns with the mission. So people hear what the name is of your thing, and then and then they hear the mission, and they're like, oh, well, if you're making a lake DAO, then caring about the fish in the lake, okay, checks out. And, and if we're making pizza DAO and we say we're going to throw a global pizza party, okay, that checks out. If we say we're pizza DAO and we're going to help pizzerias to make better pizza for cheaper uh, and get it to more people, well, okay, that, that seems like something you would do as pizza DAO. And so for us, we even had a more, we said pizza should be free, which was our kind of like sticky 
uh, viral motto. And, and so that was a really great mission for people to coalesce around because it just said, well, what are we going to spend our treasury on? Well, pizza, we're going to give it away. So it was really easy for us as a DAO to have alignment and buy-in on buying people pizza. Like the pizza that we bought you in LA, that's because our community wants to buy pizza with our treasury. That is what we do. Now we have some other things that we're obviously working on, but we came to consensus as a community that we were going to be giving away pizza. What about ownership? Talk about that a little bit because that's probably confusing for a lot of people. Our rare pizza NFT, it doesn't necessarily represent traditional financial. It, I mean, it certainly doesn't, right? It's not a stock certificate. It's not any of that kind of thing. It is just a piece of art and it's a bake sale, right? We are selling digital pizzas and then we're taking the money and we're buying real pizza. And so that's the pitch. But when we promise our community that they're all going to get that token that represents that, they feel bought in because they own a part of the exercise, a part of the organization. Like we are throwing a global pizza party. We are funding it with these pizza NFTs and I'm going to get one. And if we are successful, then I have a piece of that success. And no one can take that from me because it's on the blockchain. It's in my wallet. And I was given this for the work that I did as part of this effort. And so that level of trust is incredibly powerful. And it's not like they're worth a ton of money, you know, or, or anything. It, it, it's about, and we recently did a retroactive allocation to compensate people. We've been voting on this to, to compensate people for their time. And they're not getting paid like great rates for, for what they did. They're, they're really not. But what they're getting is recognition and respect. And that is really important. So so just to be clear, technically, you sold NFTs, and it sounds like you kept a chunk of them for the DAO, right? And you used the funds from the initial sale and the ongoing creator fees from the resell to kind of fund the DAO. And then basically different people hold more of the NFTs and then you have voting with the NFTs. Is that generally how it works? But the, does the DAO hold in a treasury like a big chunk of these NFTs? Is that generally how it works? So a lot of DAOs, yeah, that's how, whether it's an NFT or a token, the DAO does take an allocation of the initial token for itself to sustain operations. And we kind of, we made ourselves into like the Federal Reserve of free pizza basically, because we just said, look, this token that we're making, this represents our combined belief that we should give away pizza. And then people said, okay, well, I believe in that. I'm going to buy that. And so together we breathed life into this thing that was just the belief that pizza should be free, that we should give away pizza. So that was what sustained like the, you know, our biz, our entire business model, right? As a DAO, like that, that was how we built it. But then for voting, there's a lot of philosophy about this, about how to do voting well. I mean, you look at governments all have different systems and and DAOs are going to be no different. I think we're very early, but most of the thinkers that I respect in this space don't think that token-based voting is uh, the solution. And, and specifically, when I say that, I just mean one token, one vote. And that's because you don't actually want your entire entity to be steered by someone who just comes in and buys a bunch of the token. Who knows why they're doing that? Who knows like, if we like them or trust them or want to do what they want to do? Having it be one person, one vote is much more democratic and is much more suited to the kind of organization 
that I, the kind of organizations that I want to build and, and pizza Dow as one of them. Yeah. We, we do one token, one vote. So we do use the, or excuse me, we do not do one token, one vote. We do one person, one vote. Which is really one wallet, one vote. It sounds like, right? It's actually a little bit stronger than that because we identify people in the discord. So we token gate it. So yes, someone could Sybil attack our voting system. They could, seed a bunch of other accounts with boxes, join our Discord, validate, yeah. and start voting. Got it. Now, if they did that, I think we could catch them. Of course, because everything's transparent out on the blockchain. Let me ask you this on communication. This is one of the biggest challenges, I think, with anybody who's developing any kind of community that's Discord-based. How in the world are you doing communication? Are you going beyond Discord, or is everything kind of happening inside of Discord? So there's a communication stack within the, these DAOs. I think there's a communication stack in every business. And for us, Discord is the source of truth, like the primary source of truth. And then we bubble out information from the Discord. So stuff gets broadcast in the Discord, and then we make sure that that makes its way to Twitter. And we make sure that we publish Medium articles that express like a higher level view. And then we'll be starting a newsletter this, this year uh, th that will be another level of communication and keeping people in the loop because a lot of people have a very hard time navigating discord, especially those who are, don't know about web three. It's not necessarily super user friendly for, and I don't want to scare people. It, you can definitely use discord, but you might also belong to 20 different discords and it could totally get lost. Right? Yeah. I mean, one example of what you might not know about discord, but that you should know is every time you tag everyone in your discord and give everyone that's there a bloop, that better be a super important message for them because if they don't like it, that may be the last time you ever see them because they'll turn off notifications and then they'll never return to your server because it'll just go. They just, as you join more discords, the discords on the left side of your discord, they just kind of go down. And unless you move them up, you won't ever see them again. So there are a lot of strategies and like best practices for, for operating a discord well. And as a user, I think coming into Discord, there are specific things like you want to turn off private messages from servers and you want, you want to turn off your notification sound so you don't get driven crazy by all the bloops. There's a bit of a learning curve, but I would encourage people to check it out if they're really curious about this stuff because it is where a lot of the best information lives. So we've talked about how it's important to have a clear mission and ideally have a name that is implicitly somehow tied to your mission. We've talked about how you do ownership, one person, one vote. And we've also talked about communication. I want to get into some of the tools that you're using to operate your DAO. But before I go there, back to ownership, this is the part that I think some people probably want me to go a little bit deeper on. The DAO has a treasury and you are voting to decide how to use the funds for the treasury. Is it generally majority vote wins? Is that how it works? Our current proposal system, we have a, a quorum for different levels of financial outlay. So if it's, $2,000, we have to get 10 votes, or I think it might be a little little higher than that. A majority vote, but at least 10 kind of thing? Is that what that means? Yeah, like it's a quorum. And then if it's contentious, right, then we then we have discussion. And, and if people, and so usually for our proposals, we have three responses. Let's do it, more discussion needed, or let's not do it. And our poll, actually, what's really nice about doing our voting on Discord is that our voting is actually anonymous. Oh, okay. I didn't know that about Discord. Yes. Yeah, so we use this tool, speaking of tools called Seshbot, and it lets you do 
an anonymous vote. So we have a token gated channel. It's role gated, right? There's this other tool called Collab Land that lets you dispense roles based on token holdings. So we use that. So if you have a rare pizza box, right, you get a role. And then that lets you into the channel. And then we have this other kind of role called Pizza Mafia, which is a snow crash joke for those of you who I'm a snow crash lover myself. And if you've brought value to the DAO, we will give you the Pizza Mafia role. And that may not mean you earned a whole box, but that means you did enough that we think you should be part of the decision-making process. And so that also controls whether you can vote. But it is anonymous. And, that, and that's because anonymous voting is is pretty important for, for a democratic system. Because it, it, otherwise, like if you're the one person who votes against something, like you set yourself up to be a pariah. And, and, and we don't want that. We want people to be able to express how they feel. Just out of curiosity, are all polls anonymous in Discord or are they only anonymous if you use this one tool that you're talking about? There are multiple tools that will do it, but specifically this SeshBot tool, yes, does allow for anonymous voting. It is even, you have to set it. It is a setting in the poll. You slash poll, and then there are entries, and one of them is anonymous true. But Discord by its own nature does have polls built into it, no? Or is it always external plugins that allow you to do polls in Discord? I'm just curious. It does not have its own polling system built in it. It has kind of a, a proxy for it, which is you can just do reactions. You can say, okay. That's what I'm seeing inside. That's not the same though as what you're talking about. Got it. Okay. Well, this is actually also done by reactions, but it doesn't show you who reacted. I see. Okay, cool. Let's get into some of the other tools that you're using. We know we're using Discord. Talk to me about POAPs and describe what this is for people that don't know what this is and how you're using them. POAP stands for Proof of Attendance Protocol. So you can really think of it as a badge that says, I was there or I did this. And so speaking of ownership, yeah, our rare pizza box is, is some sort of ownership within our community. But we also, every community call on Sundays, we give out a POAP. And our Latam team on every one of their community calls on Monday nights, they give out a POAP. And the cool thing about a POAP is that it's incontrovertible. Like if you have a POAP, then you were there. And so you, I can't take that from you. Yeah, you attended that meeting. Explain what that is because POAP is really just a link to POAP's website, right? That you can claim it. And I would imagine you just set it up to only be valid for a certain period of time. Is that, or you only disclose it live audible during the meeting so that they know what it is. Is that generally how it works? Correct, because people actually do try to steal our POAPs they, they, because they think that we will later reward the holders of those POAPs for having done the activities that resulted in them having the POAPs. And they're not wrong. Like that, we, we like to do that. In fact, in fact, every week on our community call, we do a raffle at the end of the call where if you were at any of the four previous calls, those POAPs give you eligibility. And then we, we give out a... Uh, an NFT from a friendly community. We give out a copy of the book, Snow Crash. We give out $25 worth of pizza where you submit your receipt and we reimburse you on the blockchain. And then we we give out, we have these two other NFTs, Pizza Pop, which is like a soda and Pizza Sticks, which is like breadsticks. They're kind of fun. And we just, we just give them out when people. What I love about POAPs is anybody who's listening right now, whether you do have a DAO or not, you can do these for practically nothing, right? I mean, does it cost? what does it free. cost you to set up? It's free? Yeah. As long as you keep them in POAP, if you don't transfer them over to Ethereum, which costs you gas, then this is just a completely free service that you can use to incentivize people to take action in any kind of meeting that you have, right? Yes. And it is a great, and the raffles are, are a great way to, that's for free too. And you can just use them with people who claim the POAP. You can do a raffle. I talked to my buddy today. He's a break dancer and a street performer. His name's Snap Boogie. 
and he wants he's going to use Poe apps. If somebody tips him a hundred bucks at one of his street performance shows, he's going to give them a, a card, and this is low tech, but it works. He's just going to write the URL of the Poe app on it, and that's a unique NFT that that person gets to claim. And then later, as he further develops his presence in the metaverse and builds NFTs that represent dance moves, you know, he has big plans. He can give that out and distribute it to people who supported him early, basically buying these Poe apps by tipping him during his performances. Let's talk about what you're doing with wallets and debit cards, because I think this is kind of fascinating because obviously you have, you, you go to events and you've got to buy pizza, right? And you've got to fund this stuff. So how, how in the world do you translate these things that talk about the wallets and the, and the debit cards and all that fun stuff? Yeah. So, so the financial structure of pizza out is that we have this NFT and People buy the NFT and then those funds go into this smart contract wallet. And then we have a, a wallet called a multi-signature wallet. And this is made by Gnosis is, is the company. Let's spell that name just because they're never going to get it right. It's G-N-O-S-I-S, Gnosis, right? G-N-O-S-I-S, uh, safe, Gnosis safe. Exactly. Because it keeps your funds safe. And the idea with Gnosis is that it's a multi-signature. And so ours is set up. There are seven people on our safe. And four of seven need to approve any outgoing transaction. So we, in a sense, we have veto power. So if our community in the Discord decided to do some poll, I actually did one recently. I did a poll to buy a Domino's Rolex and give it away to somebody who retweeted us. And it was a joke. I was just kind of testing people to see if they were paying attention to our governance. And I didn't actually want it to pass. And people voted against it. But if it had passed by some, if people were like, oh, we really should buy this Domino's Rolex with our treasury, which would have been a terrible decision, I think. Uh, I probably would not have actually voted for it as a member of the multi-sig because that is sort of the final line of defense against our funds being used improperly. And, and if our community had an uproar about that veto, then we, we could talk through it. But this is kind of what the multi-sig enables. It sounds like what it does is it requires four out of the seven wallet holders to log in and to authorize the transaction, not all at the same time. I would imagine over a period of time, you know, and once it's all approved, then it releases the funds to the destination wallet. Is that generally how it works? Exactly. And so this was how a group of strangers from all over the world were able to come together and in three months spend $300,000 on pizza together because we had that trust. We elected seven people that the community trusted not to approve poor expenditures. And that was a really big part of our trust and ownership at the, at the beginning of this process. Now let's transition this over to the debit cards. Talk about the connection there, because it's one thing to transfer Bitcoin or Ethereum from uh, one wallet to another wallet. But what about when it comes to actually using it to buy real world stuff? So yeah, most pizzerias don't take crypto. Uh, a couple of ours, one accepted Dogecoin and, and a few have, have wanted Bitcoin and we were happy to oblige. But in general, no, they want their native currency. We have an LLC in Wyoming, which some members of the DAO are the managers and members of, and it has a bank account. And we actually use this company called Mercury for the bank account. And the reason we do that is because they allow you to mint virtual debit cards. So for us, when we have this global community of people who often need to pay for things and have varying levels of trust within the community, being able to make a new debit card and say, okay, this one has a limit of a thousand bucks. All right. That's for you. You know, this is for the, the, the pizza party in Ethiopia. This is for the one in Amsterdam. 
So wait, it's a virtual debit card. So does that mean it's got a MasterCard behind it and it's got a number, kind of like a gift card you would buy inside of a store, but it's got a limit and when it's gone, it's gone? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, and it pulls out of our account on there. So our process is we we say, okay, we need to move funds out of the multisig. We talk to the multisig holder. Okay, this is what we're spending the funds on. Um, or you know, or it's come through our our proposal system, right? And we we send that Ethereum to our ex- first. We have to send it to our exchange account, right? We have an exchange account on Kraken. Then we sell it on there, and then we transfer it from there to our Mercury account, and then we can spend it with debit cards, or we have an Amex too, uh, and and we pay that off out of the the Mercury account balance. Yeah, and for those that don't know, Kraken is just an alternative to Coinbase that happens to be, I think, non-American or something like that. That's global, right? Fascinating. So. This has been absolutely eye-opening because we got a chance to hear, first of all, the story of how this thing was birthed as a crazy idea in a clubhouse room to actually you developing the community inside of Discord and you essentially layering on top of it the elements of structure that essentially allowed this to operate as a business, even though most of you have never met each other. And it's my guess that most of you have never met each other except for when you happen to be at a conference and a couple of the local guys come together. Is that correct? Yeah. I've met a bunch of our community, but yeah, only, only once or twice. And, and I consider them great friends and we have a huge amount of trust now. It doesn't have to be token enforced anymore, but yeah, I mean, we are in almost a hundred countries at this point with people who know what we're doing and, and support us. And the whole web three space knows that we want to build web three community oversharing some pizza and so people come to us and they say hey we're throwing a web3 gathering in in argentina will you buy us some pizza and we say ah yes <laughs> they say hey <laughs> we're building a community in ethiopia will you will you buy it? yes you know so it's it's amazing at how far we've come with these just stringing a bunch of relatively simple tools together uh, along with this with these ideals of trust transparency, collaboration, and communication. Put your thinking cap on and imagine three to five years in the future. How prevalent do you think DAOs are going to be? And where do you think all this is going? And do you think we're still very early days? It is indisputable that we're very early. Most DAOs that call themselves DAOs aren't even really you know, decentralized, autonomous, or organized. I know that we are one of those on a good day. <laughs> and so... So I think we're we're incredibly early, but the power of ownership cannot be denied. And I know that we live in a time when the average citizen on earth does not feel deep ownership of their life, let alone th- their community, their neighborhood, their job. Like, you know, maybe they own their house and, and their car, but that's the fortress of solitude for the world right now. And and so I think we can only stand to gain immensely from giving people the responsibility that comes with ownership and the pleasure that that, that comes with knowing that, that you own this thing and that as you make it better, like you can reap the rewards from owning it because like the soul of life, right, is, is like self-improvement and environmental improvement. Like these are the things that that are the best, right? just to make something a little bit better and to feel that sense of satisfaction. 
Snacks, first of all, this has been an absolute fascinating story. Thank you so much for opening the kimono and revealing how you guys do what you do. There's going to be a lot of people, there might even be some pizzerias listening, to be honest with you, but there's going to be some people listening right now that are going to want to learn more about Pizza Dow. They're going to want to learn more about this guy named Snacks, S-N-A-X, for those of you that are listening. Where do you want to send them? Where should people go if they want to discover more about you? What's your preferred platforms? So people should come to pizzadow.xyz. That's pizzadao.xyz. And we're also on Twitter, pizza underscore Dow. And the rare pizza NFT is ours too. You feel free to follow us there as well. And I am snack underscore man on pretty much every platform. We'd love to see you in our Discord if you if you want to talk more. That's discord.gg slash pizza Dow. Now, when you say snack, you spell it S-N-A-X. Is that correct? So I am snacks.eth. But Debbie, if you're listening, she has the snacks username on Twitter. I would love to make a deal with you, Debbie. <laughs> okay, so you're S-N-A-K-S dot ETH on Twitter. Is that right? No, I am S-N-A-C-K underscore man. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. But my name on there is S-N-A-X dot ETH. Awesome. Snacks, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm so glad that we got to talk about all this stuff. I hope everybody had a good time. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash C22. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. Let your friends know about this show. I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Crypto Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day. And may Web3 continue to change your world. The Crypto Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Crypto Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.